Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Well, today we've got a Friday Barnes story from the sixth book in the series, Friday Barnes, Danger Ahead. And I'm going to be reading Chapter 12, The River Challenge. And for those of you who haven't read this book yet, uh, the sixth book is all about when Friday and her year group or her grade, they all go off to camp. So um, Friday's uh, grouped with a, the least athletic kids and they're staying in the houseboat and they're competing against kids from the other accommodation, like the treehouse and the hole, uh, for supplies and whatnot. Anyway, you'll pick it up as we go along. Let's start. Here we go. Between the walking, the tedious lessons and the endless chores, camp courage was proving to be exhausting. One of the least pleasant things about it was the way the students were woken up every morning. Ride of the Valkyries was still blasting as Friday, Melanie and the rest of the houseboat team made their way up to the mess hall. Is it me or are they waking us up even earlier than usual? asked Melanie, Friday's best friend. It's earlier, said Friday. Really? How can you be so sure? asked Melanie. It's still dark, said Friday. Melanie looked up at the black sky. Good heavens, you're right. These people are even more dementedly cruel than I realised. As they arrived at the dining hall, the girls could see that there was a crowd gathered outside. That's odd, said Friday. Usually people went straight in and began eating. What's happening? Friday asked the first person she came to at the back of the crowd. But that first person was Mirabella Peterson. Friday didn't recognise her immediately. She had never seen Mirabella Peterson not wearing false eyelashes before. Mirabella looked Friday up and down, then turned away with a sniff of disdain. Friday rolled her eyes. It was too early in the morning for petty social politics. She pushed her way through the crowd so she could see for herself. There was a sign on the mess hall door saying, Closed. Do you think they've decided to save money on food by starving us all to death? asked Melanie. I doubt it, said Friday. It would be a false economy. They'd have to pay out all the lawsuits to the annoyed parents. "'Good morning, maggots!' Camp Councillor Geraldine was standing at the back of the group, addressing them. "'Hungry, are you?' asked Geraldine. From the gleeful glint in her eye, the students could tell that something deeply unpleasant was about to be laid out. "'Well, I know you're all such toffee, fancy ladies and gents, so today I've decided to give you a little surprise. Today we're going to be serving breakfast down by the river.' "'Oh, that sounds nice,' said Melanie." It's not going to be nice, said Friday. There's going to be a catch. The only thing is, said Geraldine, the food is all on the far side of the river. Everyone groaned. Ugh. Geraldine smirked. And there are four huts, but only three packages of food. One hut will miss out. The treehouse members sniggered and looked across at the ragtag group of houseboaters. Who gets the food will be decided by who grabs it first, said Geraldine. I think I'm going to cry, said Melanie. 
To cross the river, the only supplies you can use are, said Geraldine, now she positively grinned, your rubbish from last week. Okay, that's just a weird idea, said Friday. Plus anything you can find in the forest, added Geraldine. All the students stared at her in appalled silence. Well, what are you standing around for? Your rubbish is waiting for you down on the riverbank. Go! The students took off sprinting, even the houseboaters, who secretly suspected that any attempt would be futile because they were predestined to lose. Come on, said Friday, taking Melanie by the hand and pulling her along. This is going to take brains as well as brawn. We're in with a chance. There were four large stacks of rubbish sitting on the riverbank. The houseboaters had the smallest stack, but it still amounted to about eight bags of garbage. What should we do? asked Patel. Empty out the bags and we'll see what we've got, said Friday. Everyone grabbed a bag and started emptying. It was mainly just food wrappers and crumpled packaging. Melanie's bag had a lot of scrunched up paper. What is this? asked Melanie. That's mine, said Susan, snatching a handful of the paper away from her. But she dropped a piece near Friday's feet, and Friday could clearly see the words. Dear Mum and Dad, please come and rescue me, as well as some marks she could swear were tear stains. There's nothing terribly useful here, said Harvey. What a shame none of us threw away an inflatable motorboat last week, said Melanie. We can use something from the forest, said Patel. Should we start finding branches to make a canoe? We could use the plastic bags as twine to tie the branches together, said Yi. Just then they were interrupted by yelling further up the riverbank. That's just stupid, yelled Tria. You're stupid, yelled Jessica. Everyone turned to watch the treehouse team fighting with each other. They were usually playing it too cool to raise their voices. This whole camp is stupid, yelled Brandon. Would you just shut up, yelled Ian. At least they're not doing much better, said Patel. The houseboaters watched as Ian turned away from his group and stalked down to the river. What's he doing? asked Melanie. When Ian got to the riverbank, he didn't stop. He dived in. Is he drowning himself? asked Melanie. It's not like Ian to give up so easily. Ian resurfaced several metres into the flowing water, cutting through the current with powerful strokes. He's not building anything, said Friday. He's just going to swim over and get the supplies. But surely the current's too strong, said Y.E. As he approached the middle of the river, the current did begin to give Ian trouble. He was being pushed further and further downstream. Quick, said Friday, if you don't want to be hungry for the rest of the day, gather up all the garbage bags and start tying them together. Why, asked Melanie. We're going to make a rope, said Friday. The houseboaters set to work, grabbing garbage bags and tying them end to end. Suddenly there was a loud cheer. They looked up to see that Ian had made it to the other side, although he was a good 200 metres downstream thanks to the current. Oh, he's won, said Patel. That doesn't matter, said Friday. We only have to beat one of the other two teams. The tent team were building a raft out of sticks and tying inflated garbage bags to the underside for flotation. The whole team were building a canoe. They'd found an old log when using tin cans to scrape the rotten wood out of the middle. Meanwhile, Ian had run up to his team's supplies and began dragging them towards the river. It was a packaged-up cube of boxes. Keep working, urged Friday. The houseboaters now had nearly 20 metres of rope. On the far bank, Ian gave the supplies a big shove and they tipped over the edge into the water. His team cheered. But then the supplies sank, quickly disappearing from view. The treehouse team started yelling outraged abuse at him. What? exclaimed Tria. Get our food back up, screamed Jessica. Ian leapt into the water, which was surprisingly deep close to the bank, and began duck diving down to try and find the food. What sort of food sinks? asked Melanie. 
It must be canned food, said Friday. There's no air in a can of food, nothing to give it buoyancy. It's just a tin full of liquids and solids. There's no reason why it would float. It's like a box full of rocks. We've got 25 metres of rope, said Y.E. I don't think there's anything else here that we could use. Good, said Friday. Now gather up all the big two-litre juice bottles. What are you planning to use them for, asked Susan. I'm going to shove them up inside my cardigan to make a buoyancy jacket, said Friday, jamming bottles up her cardigan as she spoke. The others started helping her, and she soon looked like the Michelin Man. A fuzzy brown version of the Michelin Man, but the Michelin Man nonetheless. There was a loud splash behind them. The whole team had launched their canoe. They all cheered. Two of their team got in with makeshift paddles, and they were given a push off from the bank. Oh dear, said Friday. What, said Melanie. I hope they can swim, said Friday. Why, asked Harvey. Watch, said Friday. The canoers took a couple of strokes out into the river. Then they reached the full flow of the current. The water hit the side of the canoe and rolled it over, throwing both students into the river. The canoe then rolled over on top of them and went downstream. I don't want to fall in the river, said Y.E. My swimming is not that good. I'd rather go hungry for a day. Give me the rope, said Friday. I've got this. She grabbed the rope and ran up the bank. What's she doing? asked Patel. I'd say she was running away, said Melanie, but I think she'd take the 30 drink bottles out from under a cardigan if she was going to do that. The bank rose up several metres above the water. And she's having to run uphill, said Susan. Poor Friday. Once she got to the top, they could see Friday jump up and start climbing a tree. She's gotten better at tree climbing since she came to Highcrest, observed Melanie. It just goes to show even clever people can still learn something by going to school. Now Friday was edging her way out along a branch. If she dies, do you think they'll cancel the competition and let us all eat? asked Patel hopefully. I should think so, said Melanie, because we'll all have to go down to the police station to fill out statements. Friday had climbed down and was backing away from the river. Further up the bank, there was another splash. The tent team had launched their raft. It seemed a lot more stable than the canoe, and it was large. They'll easily be able to bring their food back in that, said Y.E. Downstream, the whole team had all jumped in the water and were swimming their log across the river. They might not be able to ride in that canoe, said Melanie, but they'll be able to use it to bring the food back. What's Friday doing? asked Harvey. They all looked up to see Friday stand still for a moment and then run at full speed, which looked very silly with the bottle stuffed up to cardigan, towards the river. She's lost her mind, worried Melanie. Friday leapt straight off the bank above the water. She's going to die, screamed Susan. But Friday had a firm grasp of the end of the rope. She swung out over the water, well past the middle of the current, before letting go and plopping down just a few metres from the far bank. The houseboaters erupted in screams of joy. I can't believe it, cried Harvey. She actually knew what she was doing, yelled Y.E., grabbing Patel in a big hug. Friday was not a good swimmer, but with 30 plastic bottles inserted in her clothes, there was no way she could sink. She awkwardly paddled over to the bank. Quick, said Melanie, let's get the rope, then we can throw it across to help pull her back. The houseboat team started scrambling up the hill. Friday made it to the nearest pile of supplies, took hold and started to pull it over to the bank. She then took the empty bottles out from under her cardigan and began hooking them onto the plastic strapping around the box. Ian was still duck-diving into the water trying to find his sunken food. He looked over and saw what Friday was doing. You think you're so clever, don't you, said Ian. Friday had just fastened the last bottle to the packaging. I honestly hadn't given it any thought, she said. Every standardised examination I've ever taken certainly supports that conclusion. But there is a theory that human intelligence can be broken up into seven different types, and I am well aware that I am a blithering idiot at emotional intelligence. 
Ian sighed and slumped on the bank, surrounded by his waterlogged supplies. You know, sometimes you're so pedantic that you go beyond being annoying and I can almost feel sympathy for you. Friday nodded. That's probably the oxygen starvation talking, because you've had to duck dive down under the water so many times. When you've caught your breath, I'm sure I'll start irritating you again. She started to unbutton the fly on her jeans. Hey, what are you doing? yelled Ian, leaping up and turning away so he wouldn't be subjected to any unexpected nudity. I've got undies on, said Friday. No one wants to see your legs, said Ian. I'm still wearing my cardigan and t-shirt, said Friday. Get over yourself. You'd see more of us in my swimmers. But why are you taking your trousers off, asked Ian. It's a survival skill, said Friday. I read up on them before we came away to camp. If you need to make a buoyancy vest, you just take off your trousers, tie the ankles together, get them wet, then fill them up with air and hold them round your neck. She waded into the river. I'm not very good at swimming, Friday explained as she grabbed hold of her supplies and pulled them towards her. The supplies bobbed down in the water, but with the bottles attached all around the outside, the package floated like an iceberg with 10% above the water. Friday! yelled Melanie from the far side of the river. Grab hold! Patel swung the rope around his head with his good arm. He'd tied a rock to the end to give it momentum. Then he let go. It hurtled through the air. Watch out! cried Ian. For what? asked Friday. As she turned to glance at Ian, the rock with the rope attached to it hit Friday on the side of the head. Ian winced. Friday tottered on her feet for a moment, then passed out face down in the water. Ian leapt in and grabbed her, pulling her onto her back. She floated easily in that position because of the buoyancy vest. Ian sighed. (sighs) The number of times I've had to rescue you. He grabbed the one tin of sardines he'd managed to save from his own supplies, put it on top of Friday's brick, tied the rope to it, then took hold of Friday and waded out into the river. The houseboaters started pulling him and the package back across as they drew in the rope hand over hand. The cool water soon made Friday regain consciousness. Oh, what's happening? she asked. I'm saving you again, said Ian. Okay, said Friday. But you won the supply challenge, said Ian. All I managed to retrieve was a can of sardines. Never mind, said Friday. The girls in your hut are keen on slimming anyway. Ian laughed. The next thing Friday knew, there were five pairs of hands grabbing hold of her and the supplies as the houseboaters waded in and helped them from the water. Are you all right? asked Melanie. I think so, said Friday, rubbing her head. It was nice of Ian to hug you as you swam back with him, said Melanie. I wasn't hugging her, said Ian. I was rescuing her by swimming side stroke. "Uh Uh-huh, said Melanie. You say potato. I say it looked like a nice hug. The treehouse team loses, announced Geraldine, glaring scornfully at her favourite team. The tent team and the whole team were working together to bring back the one remaining block of supplies in the canoe. The third block of supplies was still at the bottom of the river, no doubt well on its way downstream towards the ocean. The tent and the whole people can share their supplies, said Geraldine. The treehouse team will spend a whole day going without. It's all your fault, Wainscott, said Jessica bitterly. We should throw him out for fraternising with the enemy, said Mirabella. Hang about, said Drake. Wainscott is our best athlete. You don't want to cut your nose off to spite your face. Mirabella gasped in horror. Who told you I'd had plastic surgery? What? asked Drake, terrified of the reaction he'd caused. It's just an expression. Cut your nose off to... How dare you? yelled Mirabella. She launched herself at Drake, trying to slap him, but he dived into the river to get away. Come back here, you coward! Stop, called Friday. There's no need to be angry with Drake or Wainscott. I mean, Ian. They're on first name basis, said Melanie. You won't go hungry, said Friday. We'll share our supplies with you. We will, asked Patel. But they're always so mean to us, protested Y.E. 
I know, said Friday, but if I drowned on the other bank, we wouldn't be getting anything to eat either. We wouldn't have got any supplies without Ian's help. That sounds fair enough, said Harvey. There are only six of us, said Melanie, so there would be extra to share. It's a deal, then, said Friday. Thank you, said Ian. But don't think this means that we're going to like you, Barn, said Tria. I would be horrified if you did, said Friday. And that's the end of the story. Thank you for listening to support this podcast. Just buy a book by me, R.A. Spratt. There's 24 titles to choose from from across the Friday Barnes, Nanny Piggins and Pesky Kids series, as well as Shockingly Good Stories, the book based on this podcast. You can order any of them through your local bookstore or go to my website, raspratt.com, and click on the book depository banner. They have all my titles and free international shipping. That's it for now. Until next time, goodbye.